Welcome back to Dum Dums and Dragons, where improvisers who've never role-played before journey into the world of Dungeons and Dragons. I am the Grand Wizard Bukaki, your host. Butthole has two days left before he's tried as the leader of the Moon Knights, and his friends have just two more days to prepare his legal defense. Alan found their old friend Carmine Falstaff, Quinny tracked down one of the judges, and they've discovered that judge's butler is a Moon Knight planning to kill them all. What can they do to stop this evil gnome? Find out next on Dum Dums and Dragons. You dive a little deeper. What you hear beneath it is, kill them. Kill them for the goddess. Kill them for the goddess now. Okay. <laughs> I'll let you have a surprise round if you want to attack, or you can try and persuade to see what would you like to do alan and i don't know yep it's what you. thoughts you're hearing or it's anything you not, so. Peter Bailey. it's just me oh no okay <laughs> doorway's still open you're literally just in the front i part. lean down to him and in gnomish speak into his ear the goddess sent me roll me a deception check 27 holy shit <laughs> he drops to one knee and in gnomish says forgiveness please i didn't understand i understand now Moonhammer be feared. I say to him in Gnomish, rise, brother, for we are indeed brothers. Of course, we are all brothers under the goddess of friendship and flatulence (laughs) and fun. I just kind of like give him a little fist bump and I say, I think you know what it is you need to fetch for me and fetch it now. I do. So he like quickly scurries off into the living room. And I turn to (laughs) my cool buds and I was like, okay, guys, holy fuck. (laughs) Here's what just fucking went down. I I close the door behind us. We're inside. Yeah, we're so so inside. And I'm like, just like, I don't have a lot of time to tell you about this, but okay, look, uh, I went into his mind. What? (laughs) (laughs) It's cool. Like, you know, it's just like, it's a thing I can do. It's fine. I'm not Peter Baelish. Like, that's how it works. (laughs) And I, I realized that he wanted to kill us for the goddess. Oh. And so speaking to him in Gnomish, I said, the goddess sent me. And he's all like, oh, oh woof, sorry. But this is this hammer goddess that your Moon friend hammer. made up. Moon hammer. Yeah. Moon hammer. Yeah. yeah. This, like, why? Why? I've been too afraid to ask. Okay, fair. The gnome comes rushing back in with a brand. Says, so we're finally doing it? We're finally going to brand the justice? <laughs> That's not a document. <laughs> you said we must do what must be done. I, I've that, been waiting for a word from Stank Floor for days. Stank Floor, ah, uh, yep, of course you would. Look, um... Now, I just want to, no- I just want to, like, knock this poor guy out. I don't want to kill him, but I just want to, like, knock him out. <laughs> Can I do that? Uh, yeah, roll me a melee attack. Alternatively, I, I believe you have a spell called Thunder Wave. Oh, yeah, I do. Which would send off like a thunderclap, but it would throw him against a wall if you really want to like make this thing happen. Because, I mean, you're not super punchy. I'm not. That's my problem. Okay, this may sound awful, but (laughs) I've got a spell called Speak with the Dead. And if I kill him, I can ask him five questions. So what are you going to (laughs) do? Oh, you're cool as ass. (laughs) (laughs) Like he's part of a cult. He's lost already. Okay. What I'm going to roll to see. Are you, are you uh, trying to stab him? Are you, are you trying to clapping him? him? What are you doing? I've got my hand crossbow. Yep. So I'm going to do that. All right. 13. He is wearing typical butlerish armor, which is cloth. <laughs> <laughs> He's wearing a shirt. Yep. Is what you're telling me. He's, it's a very nice shirt. <laughs> right. Okay. You, you pop him between the eyes. And as the, the light in those eyes fades, he looks like confused and gently accusing. And the brand falls from his hand. And as he falls to his knees, you can see his, his lips moving. He's like, he's trying to say, he's like, moon, moon. And then he falls to the side dead. I think at this point, Quinny says, what the fuck, not Peter? What just happened? I, uh, I ignored my two companions <laughs> who are freaking out, but I gave him a little wave of my hand. It's like, all right, all right, I get it. I decide to cast my spell, Speak with the Dead. Okay. Um, so Speak with the Dead takes a little bit of time to cast, okay. but you you have secured the door. I think I'm, I turn around and lock the door. Yeah, I was going to say, the guard's probably going to get a little touchy soon, but yeah, you can go ahead and cast that. Okay. So I, I do that, and I just, I look, I look at Alan, and then I look at Quinny, and I just kind of like 
shrug my shoulders a little bit. Okay. This is one of those point of no return things that we've just crossed the threshold of. So Um, you'll also have to drop your illusion to do this. Okay. I think we're probably okay to do that. We just shot a man in the face with a crossbow. So So I drop the illusion of not only uh, uh, being this other person, but just being a person, frankly. (laughs) Do you understand? If I can pull some kind of connection out of him, then perhaps we can not only save your friend, we can save the city from a corruption that has gone into the hearts of justice. Yeah, do, do what you got to do. I've, I'm taking out my short sword now. I'll watch out for you while you're conducting this uh, spell. Thank you. You're- I, I'm going with this. I mean, magic is so fucking weird already. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well happen. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. yeah. It's weird. Is this it like is. a Flatliners thing? <laughs> Actually, no, I've only seen the trailer for that movie. <laughs> you mean that uh, Forgotten Realms play? <laughs> it's based on an earlier play with uh, Kiefer Sutherland. He's coming back for this one. He's a of famous the Sutherlands. Actor. Yep. As you finish the incantation, the room fills with the sound of, you know, that like truly chilling wind sound of like a bunch of dead trees and like. Yeah. Yeah. So the room fills with that. Your skin goes cold. Suddenly the gnome starts twitching on the ground as if pulled up by an invisible thread, it kind of like rises in a weird twitchy sense. And you feel like you have double vision because you're still seeing the, the body on the ground, but you're also kind of seeing it dance above. And uh, as it comes up, it's just like, never be feared. And then he looks at you and he's like, what? Who? And you can ask your five questions. He is enthralled to you. First of all, hi. <laughs> you shot me. Who are you? Where's Von Strauss? I'm asking the questions You're now, right. and only five of them. And I'm sorry, but it had to be this way. You were in the thrall of a cult. You've, honestly, you were dead on the inside, let's face it. <laughs> I'm dead on the outside, too. Well, now it matches. The carpets match the drapes. What is the connection of Judge Pemberton and your beloved, beloved Moon? Emma? Well, there, there isn't one yet. Stankfluor promised us that we would bring the love and fear of Moonhammer onto the entire city of Neverwinter, starting at the highest. When I saw Von Strauss come in, I assumed the time had come. How deep do the tendrils of this cult run in this town? Every butler who's ever buttled stands oh, with our Lord Stankfluor now. We will bring the people of Neverwinter into the light, the light of Moonhammer. Does he know who the other judges are? If he works for one? I I don't know. Like, if if you want to ask that. I'd love to ask that question. Thanks. Cool suggest. (laughs) Oh, I hate being yes anded. (laughs) Yes, the other two judges. This is going to count as two answers. (laughs) The other two judges are Clara Similton, who is judge, hear no evil, and Dog Findleton, (laughs) the Norseman, speak no evil. I'm the dog. <laughs> dog. Dog with an A. And an R. I am the dog. He, he, he was see no evil? Speak no evil. Speak no evil. Speak no evil. Yep. So you have, uh, I believe, one question remain? I do. I didn't know mine was a twofer. Sorry about that. No, but it was a good one. It was a real good twofer. Do you know why those two judges are at odds with each other? Well, everyone knows Pemberton is corrupt as the day is long. Here no evil has no particular love for that. They've long been at odds. Here no evil would like nothing more than to see see no evil booted from the council altogether. The ghostly form starts to fade. Just wanted to say thanks and I'm sorry and thanks again. You know, they promised me I would see her when I died, but all I saw was nothing. And he fades away. Well, we all learned something today, didn't we? His blood continues to soak into the floor. I, uh, uh-huh. I dust my hands off. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you a question here. The mouth or the opening of my bag of holding, uh, does it go, is it stretched wide <laughs> enough to slip over the shoulders of a gnome? No, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, all right. I body bag this guy. <laughs> and I use prestidigitation to clean the carpet. Okay. Of the blood stain. This never happened. <laughs> I, look, I look at... Both of you, I, I take you both by the shoulders and just say, this never happened. <laughs> we don't speak of this, but we all know this happened. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. are. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah, okay. back in jail, <laughs> <laughs> where we will be soon. <laughs> <laughs> 
butthole. Uh, Yevgenovich and I are both playing mental chess, but neither of us knows how the game works or how the board works. So <laughs> to be fair, it's the most impressive game of mental chess that has ever occurred. You just moved your griffin into super check. Which you assure him is the worst kind of check. But what you didn't know is that his three layers upboard is covered in worms, which is very good for him. Oh, no. Yevgenovich, <laughs> you son of a bandit bitch. You know? like, I learned from the best. Me, alone in this cell. And I, again, slow clap. There's a lot of clapping in my cell. You know, it's sort of like uh, the Joker <laughs> In the Dark Knight. Yeah, meanwhile, the uh, the two Steves have been, like, quietly placing bets on who's going to win the chess game. Mm-hmm. Both of them are learning an awful lot. Yeah, good. That's safe. Um, um, can you roll me an insight check, please? 24 total. Christ. So as, uh, <laughs> as you've been working, uh, working your way through the documents, you've been really frustrated by the lack of nipples and yetis. <laughs> However, that frustration has given you remarkable clarity because you're so focused <laughs> on finding those things that you've really, uh, you've really been pouring over them. What you seem to notice is that almost all of it is written in one voice. And it seems like of the three magistrates, there's probably one who really cares about seeing justice done. There are a few sloppier passages that seem to be written in another hand, but like the majority of the documents seem like they came from one person. Mm. You also notice some some odd accents that have been written in that uh, aren't common. Hey, Yevgenovich, you're, you're like a you're like a smart, sneaky, handsome, owning it kind of guy. Told you, you're just trying to talk your way out of my worm gambit. Uh, the, you're not wrong, but uh, <laughs> I do have this other thing that I sort of have noticed for a while that for some reason just came to me in the middle of this game. Mm, that happens to the best of us. So I'm imagining you guys might know some stuff about the justices, right? Yeah, like some sneaky, ratty, like underground stuff. A little bit there, yeah, a little bit of ratty stuff. We love rats. So, uh, do you know if any of them aren't human? Oh no, I mean, I, I think they're, I think they're all human. Uh, from what we understand, uh, one of them only moved to Neverwinter a couple years ago, though, from uh, from up north. Ooh, okay, so. Was, is that one like the see no evil or the speak well, I don't no know. evil? We never we could never figure out who they were. Uh, the rats, I got to tell you, dead rats, didn't used to really operate and never went to that much. We used to operate up the coast, but then all of a sudden we get word from our new boss that we got to move down here. New boss? Who's that? Oh, the, the fucking were-rat Flanerva. Oh, man. That sound like so it's a person that turns into a rat? Yeah, well, I mean, she's been gifted with uh, were-rat and th- ropey and uh, you know she can uh, occasionally turn into a rat it's pretty awesome wish we could oh, that does sound pretty awesome yeah we love rats how do you feel about bats eh, take them or leave them they're really like they're inferior version of rats it's like ooh, you can fly around why don't you do the regular work of scurrying like everyone else you know what that makes a lot of sense <laughs> so uh while we've been having this conversation and i just sort of like stock this information for later i look back at him and say all right so i had my time to think I'm rolling three barrels of dynamite onto the second board. All lit, short fuse. Boom. Third board eliminated. He falls to his knees and he says, <laughs> Zamoff's Gambit. Oh, a classic move. <laughs> and he just like, he's like, oh, well played, sir. Well played. I must think on these things. Hey, I learned from the best. You. Oh, and it kind of waggles nakedly back and forth in joy. That seems to be his new jam. And I do the same thing too. Am I in playmail or am I just in like? Yeah, you're still in playmail. Oh, cool. My armor is like clanks naked yet, but it's like rhythmic. <laughs> like I, I do the wave a couple of times from arm to arm, but it's like. And he does a bunch of fun like parachute tricks with his robe, where he like throws it up in the air and then runs around under it like a rat squeaking. Yeah, if it was edited well, it'd look like a music video. But from the perspective of Steve and Steve, it's really sad. But in your head it is flawless i am so pumped there are strobe lights (laughs) i look over at the steves and i say hey can we take this collar off i promise i just want to do some strobe lights with vomiturgy and you can put it right back on (laughs) look i'm not the first steve to work this desk the previous one fell for that you know where he is now dead I've never been here before, sir. I don't (laughs) like your insinuation. I'm just saying, you know, you gotta learn from other Steve's mistakes. Dead Steve's mistakes. He spelled it with a silent PH at the beginning and a V at the end. I, I take a knee and I just like say a prayer for dead Steve because if he's as cool as the other ones, he's pretty cool. He was pretty cool. No, not that cool. <laughs> <laughs> he died doing what he loved. T- 
taking magical collars off prisoners so they could have a light switch rave. All right, so cut back to the um, mansion of See No Evil, Judge Pemberton. So you're standing in the hallway. You now have a dead gnome stuffed in your bag of holding. Yep. How are we going to get out of your not paladin von Strauss? Well, hmm, I will say, okay, well, this this, this escalated. (laughs) I'm happy to say that. I still am kind of married to the idea that we wait for the judge to come back home, knock him out, steal his clothes, and impersonate him at the court hearing for butthole. So we've got a guaranteed shoe-in of like, I vote him not guilty. (laughs) (laughs) Or perhaps Um, we do wait for the judge to get back. Mm -hmm. Now this gnome that we... We, we kill. <laughs> that we Whatever you say, not Pete. This uh, gnome wished to kill him. Mm-hmm. Perhaps if we prove to him that we have saved his life, then he will owe us a blood debt in turn. He is the corrupt one, I believe. If he's corrupt, I know how to deal with that. Oh, that's true, yeah. If you can be corrupted one way, you can be... Corrupted another way. We've still got we've still got two other judges for me to do my knockout disguise swappy uh, plan. So I'm open to this. Currently, uh, you're standing in the hallway. Um, I mean, let's take a look. We can look around though. Yeah. I, just, I yeah. really want a Freaky Friday. One of these judges. Yeah. I'll give you. I'll give you that. Okay. You know, well, I understand dreams. I will tell you, uh, Clara Simington uh, looks a lot like Jamie Lee Curtis. So <laughs> perfect. So does Quinny. <laughs> <laughs> It's uncanny. (laughs) I'll just need to shave and I'll be all set. You're standing in the central hallway. I think the best way to think of this is if Tim Burton had designed a judge's house in one of his less fantastical movies where everything's kind of like through a blue filter and just like depressingly drab but ornate, if that makes any sense. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, Dark Shadows? Yeah, I'm thinking like Dark Shadows or the beginning of Alice in Wonderland before they go to Wonderland where it's like... Literally did not see that movie. You know what? You don't need to. Why would I? You know? Yeah, I ask myself that question every minute I was watching. This is all much, much further after Tim Burton's best before date. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think we got that from Planet of the Apes. Yeah. You're kind of in this uh, Burton at his not best hallway. To your left, there's a door that seems to open into uh, a small sitting room. You can see there's uh, some silverware out with like, a polishing cloth and stuff. Oh. It looks like the gnome was busy polishing silverware in his downtime. <laughs> Further down the hall, uh, you can see sort of a large set of double doors uh, that are open into a rather spacious dining room. Okay. Which seems to have sort of a large table in it, and that's about all you can see. From the outside, you can tell this is sort of a large square building, so you can ascertain there's some stuff you can't see from here. Mm-hmm. There seemed to be uh, another door past the sitting room. So that's all to your left. Up ahead on your right, it seems that the small hallway opens up into a large open area with a a spiral staircase ascending upward. I'm strutting over there. I'm going to collect that silverware and just throw it all into the bag of holding. (laughs) When that gnome thought of how he would be buried, he never thought that the silverware he polished would rain down (laughs) upon his corpse. But here we are. Today's been full of surprises, okay? (laughs) The living room, it it looks functional, but unpleasant, if that makes any sense. So, like, all of the furniture, it's like, you know those, like, shitty ornate couches that, by the purest definition of being a couch, are a couch, but, like, they're uncomfortable to sit on. They don't really sit Mm -hmm. enough people. They're usually, like, wood with some shitty fabric. It's like couches you're not supposed to sit on. Yeah, exactly. But they also aren't really that visually interesting. Yeah, so uh, that's all that's in this room. There's, like... Two of those, sort of a, a large, very stern-looking wooden armchair and a uh, table. Do you guys suppose this speaks to Pemberton's character in any way? I think it speaks to his lack of taste. I mean, if you're going to go corrupt, the whole point is just to, you know, just just fucking get with just it, go man. Nuts. You know, just go yeah, Splurge a little. Real corrupt time. the spines of my guests. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The guard said he'd be back soon. We've only got a little bit of time. You want to approach him about this kind of stuff? Should we... Maybe hide away in one of the rooms off to the side so that we're not talking to him in his doorway where there are guards and stuff like that. We can maybe wait for him to get comfortable and come out and speak to him. I don't know. Just kind of go, ha, let's negotiate. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah. Oh, the Springman's Gambit. (laughs) I mean, should we check out the house, though? I think we should check out the house. I'd love to check out the house. Possible first. But I like the idea Mm. of just waiting for him while he's here. It's intimidating. It says, "Mm, how did we get in here? Doesn't matter. What matters is that. We can. It's so interesting to be on this side of the not Peter Baelish kind of mythos. Yeah, like how how interesting. I mean, it's pretty interesting. Thanks. I, uh... I I can 
sorry, I, I, I can set up an alarm too at the front entrance so that I'll get like a mental ping but just when you? he enters. Yeah. Oh man, that's handy. So so we can like kind of go through the house and not worry about being I'm, quiet. The whole I'm time. loving the mental ping. Okay. I think I'm gonna head for the spiral staircase myself. Uh, what are, what are you two up to? I'll I'll come with you. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to... Then I'll just idea. sort of sneak around the first floor and see what I can find. Cool. Not Peter Baelish, can you please roll me, let's say, a perception check, please? 17 total. Excellent. So as you're wandering around the main floor, one thing that seems to strike you as odd is it the house doesn't seem very lived in. It seems as though, um, to Tyler's point earlier, about couches that are meant for looking at, not sitting on, um, I called them looking couches. Yeah, that's looking, that's where, where, where it goes to not Peter. You know what? Sure. Fantastic. <laughs> I know that's what you would try. Okay, great. Let's move. No, go ahead, please. All right. So not Peter Baelish's accurate description of looking couches. Thank you. You see that the uh, the looking couch philosophy seems to extend to pretty much the entire main floor. So it's not really a kitchen. It's more of a looking kitchen. You can see that meals are prepared here, but it feels kind of sterile. You know how, like, you, you can sort of tell when a kitchen is, like, lovingly used. There's signs of wear and tear. This one seems fairly sterile. The uh, dining room, similarly, very basic chairs, a very basic dining room table. It does have a window that looks out over the backyard, but generally it seems like a kind of an unpleasant place. You don't feel like you'd have a particularly warm meal here. As a corrupt person myself, <laughs> why would someone making a potentially lucrative investment in construction, the most corrupt business of all, why? <laughs> Not Peter Bailey, she used to work for Bombardier. <laughs> oh, let me say, those are actually kind of were the salad days. I remember when the idea of a streetcar was just an idea, and it still <laughs> is. <laughs> Ah, but enough about my past that I say out loud to myself. <laughs> curiouser and curiouser. Who has the bag of holding because the gnome's in there? Queenie, Queenie. All right. I'm going to keep looking around, but then I want to get that gnome back out and ask him some questions. Again? <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, upstairs, you ascend the, uh, the spiral staircase up to the second floor. The second floor gives off much the same vibe as the first. It seems uh, gently underused. Okay. There seems to be sort of a, a guest bedroom. Looks like an Airbnb renter who just doesn't give a shit. So it's like literally it's it's a bed with a tiny table and that's mm. that's the extent of it. Okay. You find the gnome's quarters, which uh, the door's locked. The other room seems to just sort of be a, a, a general storage, storage space. There's uh, sort of a few boxes and things in there. There's also a uh, sort of where you could tell just from your basic understanding of where you think the tower is, yeah. um, there is a, a, a very large sort of ornate door in the wall that looks to have a very complicated locking mechanism. Mm. I want to go for that door. What do you think? Sure. Yeah, okay. I mean, there, there must be something valuable behind it. I think so. Something we could use. I mean, servant, staff, they can kind of get around, right? they got to be basically able to serve the master of the house wherever they go, right? I say we take this uh, gnome servant out, you know, pat him down, see if we get a key to this door. Sure. Yeah, all right. He tumbles out of my bag. In a clatter of silverware, yep. I'm like, shit, 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 shit. <laughs> so you pat him down. I'm picking up spoons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just like from downstairs. You got, you okay up there? I heard a clattering. It's okay. Okay. It's fine. You're doing great. You're doing great, buddy. <laughs> I like friends. Um, <laughs> yep, yeah, so uh, it doesn't take too much effort to find on a chain in the, the pocket of his little butler vest. There is a, uh, a small key. I'm betting it's going to go to his personal quarters, but let's try it on the big door. Let's do it. The small key does not fit the the lock on the, the big door. All right. Do you want to try the key on his quarters and I'll get to work on picking yeah. this lock? Sure. Right. sure. I, I yeah. also scoop up the corpse back into the bag. Okay. <laughs> Great. Sure. So yeah, so I'll head over to the gnome's quarters. So you're able to unlock the door without mm-hmm. any difficulty with the key. The gnome's quarters are a stark contrast to the, the rest of the house. It, it feels a lot plusher, a lot more lived in. Mm-hmm. The bed is um, looks actually very comfortable, very plush. It's gnome-sized, which you, you find, like, quietly charming. <laughs> you notice, though, that the butler's quarters are a little more unkempt than uh, elsewhere. It seems he puts most of his attention to keeping the mm-hmm. house in order, not so much in keeping uh, his own. I see there are a number of books uh, kind of stacked against the wall, um, a small table with uh, some writing implements, and uh, a closet full of various butlering garb. Can I do kind of a, just like a check around? I want to check like under his mattress and like sure. just kind of look, you know, behind the clothes. Just see check if all anything. the suspicious places. Yeah. Okay, why don't you give me a perception? 
21 total. So uh, as you rifle through, you can find that there's uh, there seems to be some like small pouches of gold sewn into the bottom of the, the mattress. Okay. Um, so just like, you know, small pockets of coins that seem to be kind of his uh, rainy day fund. Well, he's dead. Yeah. So then you're going to share that information with your old pal Quinny, right? And I, I <laughs> don't have any gold left because I old pal Quinny did get pickpocketed. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm going to take the gold. I'm going to share it with everyone afterwards, though. Okay. I mean, I'm going to keep 15 for myself. Well, let's see. You might want to keep a bit more. Um, <laughs> as you, uh, It's one of those things where you've kind of like lifted up the mattress. And you're like, oh, so you cut the first pouch and like yeah. a bunch of gold falls out. And then you notice that they're basically lining the entire bottom of the uh, oh, <laughs> dang, Alan. The thing. Uh, so uh, when all is said and done, you have 250 gold coins. Nice. I really hope he doesn't have a family and it wasn't in his will. Like, give that gold. <laughs> you think about the strangest things when you pilfer the... <laughs> The property of good dead people. <laughs> you mean I have a conscience? Well, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, for our Patreon subscribers, we're going to do a cutaway to what happens to the gnomes family. <laughs> yeah, we've got a whole gnome. It's going to be like a James Joyce novel. It's going to be a really yeah. depressing slice of life. Um, but Papa, <laughs> where's Papa? We won't get through the winter without Papa. I always told him his butling would come back to bite him in this family one day, but he wouldn't listen. Why couldn't he have been a robber like I asked him? <laughs> Mammy, Mammy, <laughs> Mammy, where are you? Meanwhile, out in the backyard after she's just heard the news, just slowly climbing a tree and putting a noose around her neck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it'll be a shorter side plot than we thought. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, meanwhile, back in the house, the only other thing you find is on the desk, there seems to be a, uh, a letter um, that smells of a, a certain perfume you remember from the Upside Down Hat. Uh, it seems to be uh, your old pal Fiddlesworth's favorite scent. Oh, interesting. And uh, it just says, stand ready, and that's it. Waste okay. of paper. All right. <laughs> it's Carmine's paper. <laughs> it's, it's fine. <laughs> Wasteful, that's all I'm saying. All right, I'll, I'll head back out. Join Quinny. Cool. Quinny, the good news is, unlike all those weird dwarven doors you found in the uh, the Forge of Spells, yeah. uh, this one seems to be just good old-fashioned, mechanical, oh. just really well-built. It's good to be back in Neverwinter, guys. <laughs> so I assume you're going to use your thieves' tools. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to need you to please give me a uh, dexterity check. Just straight dex? Yeah. Okay. Total of 17. This is mainly for you to like try and investigate the lock, figure out what's going on. So using your thieves' tools, you start to kind of like pick around inside the lock. You're actually like fairly impressed. It's a pretty brilliant design. Mm. It requires um, a key that the head of the key is able to essentially split apart into different pieces. Oh. You're not sure if it's pickable, but you can certainly try. Do I know the consequences of failing lock picks on this door? Uh, roll me an insight check, please. 20, critical. Damn. Based on the security of the, the place you've seen so far mm. and the way it looks inside, this doesn't seem like a place that has ever actually even considered it might get raided. This looks more like someone who's very private. Mm. And this is the kind of person who puts two extra bolts on their door, but doesn't ever expect to have to use them. Okay. There's a fence. There's armed guards outside. The gnome butler was very, don't come in here. Yeah, yeah. So you get the sense that, you know, it's not, this is getting picked all the time. It's just someone bought a really good lock. I will try. One attempt at picking a lock. I'm going to give you uh, dex. I'm going to give you advantage because you've got these tools in time. Okay. That'll only work on one. You feel like it's going to take a few, since it's a multi-pronged thing, you're basically okay. going to have to pick each of these. Okay. I'll go until I hit my first wall, my first failure. Okay. And that's when I'm going to back off. Cool. Okay. Just straight dex check again? Yes, please. Okay. Nat 20. Woo. Dang. So um, <laughs> you... Uh, <laughs> the lock says, hello, come in. <laughs> yeah. Hello. This episode is sponsored by Shopify. When we started podcasting, an online store was the furthest thing from our collective mind. But now we sell t-shirts and hoodies and water bottles and a ton of amazing products, all because we use Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It is 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. 
Honestly, we tried to do merchandise for years, either to make things that were high quality, to make things that we could ship easily, to make things shippable in multiple markets. We just could not find that answer until we found Shopify. Once we got set up with them, it has been a breeze. Money transfers, no problem. Payments converted, it makes it so easy. I don't have to do anything manual. None of our team does to be able to provide high, high quality merch. Shopify gave us the control to be able to make our business even more successful and it can do that for you because Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, their award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify, and yours should too. So sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dumdums all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dumdums, D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B-S, now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dumdums. That's the way you get to hear this. Ah, another would-be hero, is it? Yes, it is I, Fiddlesworth the butler from Dum Dums and Dragons, and I can see from your general look that you want to bring more stories into the world and help the Dum Dums on their various quests. Well, I advise against joining the Patreon, then, for if you do, you will be assisting the Dum Dums in all of their endeavors, all of their various shows and stories and jokes and doing good deeds, and you know I simply cannot abide those. Of course, if you did feel like wasting your time, you could go to patreon.com slash dumdumdice. You could join for as little as a dollar, which would gain you access to a Discord where you can talk to other would-be heroes. You can even create characters who will run around in our world at the higher levels, but of course you don't want to do that, now do you? No, you're just content to listen to a butler tell you how it is. Well, I'll see you on your way. Hail Blighthammer. You start to kind of pick your way through. What's pretty exciting, though, about this is even though it's a very complex lock, mm-hmm. by virtue of the way you're trying to pick it, the pick kind of snaps, but in doing so runs into two of the three lock mechanisms. So by trying to pick one, you accidentally broke it and picked two. Oh, all right. A happy accident. So then two down, one more to go? Yeah. You saw that, right? No. That's another nat 20. That's three in a row. Shut up. <laughs> that was a legit roll. I saw Tyler. Every door in the city pops <laughs> wide open. So similar to bowling a strike, you're just like, I wonder if I could do that again. And the answer was yes. Great. You could. These um, doors fucking suck. So um, you uh, <laughs> just yell into the empty space of the house. Nice door, stupids. <laughs> Meanwhile, at Stupid's Locksmithery down the road, someone's like, hey, do we think about breaking lockpick off one of these? No, no one would ever think to do that. You crack the door open with remarkable ease, and you realize that uh, sort of uh, along your adventures and picking the few locks you've actually had to pick, you've already picked up a lot of pretty useful stuff. This one's taught you a lot about complex mechanisms, so I'm going to give you a permanent plus one on lockpicking checks due to your double 20. I'll have to make a note then for that. Thank you so much. Yes, you will. So the uh, the door swings open and it swings inward. Immediately, you're hit by a, a fresh breeze. Oh, and, oh, God. Um, oh thank God! It's a sort of like a light <laughs> scent in the air. It's like one of those like fancy spice smells, like you know the, like the spice? biblical spices. Yeah, yeah old spice. It smells like old spice. Biblical old spice. Biblical old spice. But no, it's it's one of those like very kind of fine scents that you're used to mostly smelling in like. It seems like the kind of thing that Quinny would think of as like something that royalty would waste money on. Okay. Like okay. It's, it's, it's rich people smell. All right. And that, to me, sort of contrasts with what we've experienced with the rest of the house so far. The house is pretty stark, mm-hmm. you know, not very well lived in. Now someone is basically scenting their hallway with potpourri. Old Spice brand. Uh, looking uh, down the hallway, there's a very fine door at the end of the hallway that's slightly ajar. And just past it, you can uh, sort of see a dimly lit room. I'm not going in alone. Are you with me now, Alan? Or I'm here. Yeah, I, here? I came out of the room into the Alan comes out with clinking you. mysteriously. <laughs> yeah. You find anything, Alan? Yeah, I got some gold. We, we'll split it after. Oh, big mistake. 
<laughs> you guys gonna bring uh, not Peter Baelish up? In? I'll kind of lean over the the banister if I'm on the second floor and just be like, Psst, "Not Pete." And I look up. Uh, I've just been rifling through all sorts of drawers, um, <laughs> just fixing my goatee in a reflective surface. <laughs> you know, just just typical typical sneaky stuff. Yeah. I just imagine you like turning the gas on the stove on and off over and over again, just like, still works? Still. <laughs> well, I find the clicking sound soothing. It worked four times, but will it work if, oh, it did? Mm. Mm. Can the same be said of six? <laughs> Only you understand me, Pilot Light. <laughs> not Pilot Light. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, hey, not Pete. We got yes. the door to the tower open. You want to come with? There's a light at the end of the hall. Mm, and it not- smells really good. Oh, okay. <laughs> Like, d- describe good. Is it like fresh baked cookies kind of good, or is it like... Aged spice. <sighs> My favorite kind of spice. Yeah. I I bound up the stairs with an enthusiasm <laughs> usually only reserved for children. Uh, can you roll me a dexterity save, please? <laughs> <laughs> I deserve this. <laughs> Oh, shit. Um, 11. So you're, you're bounding up the spiral staircase full of glee, but if Tommy Wiseau's The Room has taught us anything, spiral staircases can be a very dangerous place. So with That was my main takeaway from yeah, the room. Mine, too. I think that's what it's all about. So you trip right at the top, and you're going, like, full, like, teeth for that top step oh. when, uh, at the last minute, you think... Not only of your teeth, but also of how perfect your goatee looks right oh, now because you've been shaping so, it. So fucking good. So you just, you at the last possible minute, you just tuck and you take take the hit to your shoulder, which hurts but doesn't ruin the goatee. <laughs> and then as an afterthought, you're like, oh, and I saved my teeth. <laughs> did it look cool when I did, when I rolled? I just say under my breath, so fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> I stand up and brush myself off and I go to touch my goatee but think, it's perfect as it is. <laughs> That's the only trap in the entire house is just a hard-to-navigate staircase if you run. <laughs> oh, my one weakness. Circles. Um, okay, so you're all together, I assume, uh, looking down the uh, the scented hallway. Yeah. Great. I'm ready to go. I just want... We're all partied up. Awesome. Pressing onward. So uh, come up to the door. You can't hear anything mm. past it. You open the door into the most... Uh, it's fairly small, but it's one of the most overcrowded libraries you've ever seen. Uh, it looks to just be Ooh. one room, and it's just packed with books. And you feel gently claustrophobic. Yes. The the shelves just seem to be too deep, and it's uh, it seems smaller than it should be. All right, if I open that door, I immediately step to the side and I gesture like Alan, you take Thank the lead you. on this. Yeah, yeah, and I go, I go right in, and I'm just I'm looking for I'm going to look for spell books. <laughs> I, go, well, I mean, you've got an eye for anything. Like I, yeah. I don't even have a library card. Yeah. So can I can I do a check for kind of books or areas of library that yeah. I think would be um, kind of useful? I'm going to get that? you to roll me an investigation check. Sure. Twelve total. There are a ton of books in here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say if there's something specific you want to look for, you can roll that separately. Um, just in terms of as a, a general glance over, a la Bell in Beauty and the Beast, being like a giant library. <laughs> the thing you notice again in stark contrast to the rest of the house is, generally speaking, the books look very, very well read. Um, there's okay. a lot of very old tomes. Certainly, a lot of law books, um, mm-hmm. treatises on various laws from uh, around the realms. You get the sense that regardless of his moral compass, Pemberton seems to be very, very invested in sort of the history of law and the, the development of law. Okay. There's a variety of, of books of other sorts. You see Little Pim Pim's treatise on uh, the art of war. It <laughs> looks like it's read to like the first third, you know. <laughs> he didn't necessarily get to the B Hilt chapter. Right. Um, maybe you read about the friendship, though. So what specifically do you want to look look for? I'll look first to see if there are any magic books, anything especially like magic and law crossover. Mm. Uh, do you want to do an arcana mm. check for that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. 20 total. You kind of reach out the force style to kind of see books about magic aren't necessarily inherently magical, mm-hmm. but your experience has been a lot of them sort of contain almost trace elements, particularly mm-hmm. for people who study it very closely. And uh, you can actually locate there are a few. In terms of books on magic and law, there are a couple that deal with the use of so the, the using governance of magic and law, but they're okay. really boring. Okay. And just kind of like you recognize a couple from having basically been handed them at the temple with someone saying, this is the kind of bullshit that humans talk about when they think mm. about magic. 
However, there is one book that is giving off like a, a almost a pulse. Ooh. Okay. Um, so you go over to it, and it's a, a very, very worn book. Like, you know when leather turns hard? Mm-hmm. Like, that looks like it's mm. kind of pieced together. It's been repaired a number of times. Well, I, I take it, and I open it up. Written in extraordinarily exquisite handwriting on the first page, and it kind of like, it's a white page, and then the, the ink just sort of like appears and then disappears after you've had a chance to read it. Whoa. It says, Dearest reader, you have stumbled upon the ancient magical tome of me, Bow Gentle the Wizard. Yes. Okay. We know that guy, sort of. Wait, who's Bo Gentle? Uh, you <laughs> vaguely remember that uh, this was the spell book that uh, Sister Garail had you looking yes, for yes, that yes, had yes, been yes, yes. lost to the order for some time after being uh, traded away by Agatha the Banshee quite some time ago. Okay, well, that does not belong to this judge. So I'm. I'm <laughs> I think it belongs to Alan now. <laughs> it you can, absolutely you can belongs to me. You can throw it into the bag of holding. Me. We can take a bunch I'm of books out of here. I'm going to put it in my backpack. Okay. No, I'm not. You're right. That was a good instinct. Just, I'm also just going to clear the air and say I can hold a lot of books with a bag of holding, but smart. So, yeah, okay. that's, you're getting just, you're getting better. <laughs> that's good. Uh, and um, Alan, do you want to take a look for anything that seems out of place? Yeah, yeah. I'll see if there's anything unusual. Maybe it doesn't belong in this library. What am I checking for? Natural one. Nat one. Natural one. Uh, you were so fucking excited about that <laughs> book. And I mean, it almost makes up for the lack of the comb that Jakob ran away with. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty rad. So not Pete as a uh, spy master um, <sighs> a, <laughs> and apparently Hannibal Lecter enthusiast uh, in a, uh, a room full of books. Um, well, I, I don't know. Is, is not Peter Baelish a big reader? I would say I'm certainly uh, perceptive and smart enough to have read a number of books in my time, mostly books about crime yeah. and doing them. Cool. And being good at them. Yes. So can you roll me a, uh, a perception check, please? 22 total. But that's a natural 20, natural so that 20. means that you critically succeed uh, the best way you yeah. could roll. You are your best self today. Uh, I just, just like, again, go to, like, I just, like, put my fingers slightly above my goatee because it feels like, but just be like, thank you. <laughs> so um, as you do so, you feel your, your goatee twitch a little bit. And uh, you've, you've learned uh, over many years of, of thieving in criminal enterprise, your goatee has a, has a pretty, good, uh, pretty good sense of things. As your goatee twitches, you just kind of allow your head to, to move with it. And you just kind of switch into almost, like, passive soft focus and just kind of take the room in. And it strikes you that uh, this room feels too small by quite some. And you look at these books and you're like, I'm sure this man reads a lot. But as someone who reads a lot, you're also someone who has secrets. And where would you keep those secrets? Surely not out in the open. My secrets detector is detecting (laughs) secrets. That's your goatee. Mm. That's your go-to. Ah... I don't say that out loud, <laughs> but I totally think it. <laughs> this room seemingly a bit too small. And even behind a locked door and the sweet, sweet sense of fine richery, certainly I wouldn't keep what I want right here in the library. Certainly there's something more going on here. You think there's more to this room? I critically succeed, believe there is. <laughs> All right, so like a hidden passage, maybe, or uh, something that the naked eye can't see, maybe? It's very possible. Can I have a look around for the old book lever? Sure, yep. What am I checking? What am I going to um, add to that? I'll give you this uh, as an insight, I think. Insight? So that gives me a total of 14. Sort of giving it a quick once over. The judge seems like he invests a lot in fine things to, mm. to lock stuff in and guard stuff with, but also isn't concerned that anyone's going to find things. So you're actually pretty easily able to find the old book lever because oh, sweet. Okay. like a lot of the books are really well read. And then there's like a small section on ethics that is completely shiny and untouched. Like yeah, none okay. of these books are ever. Okay. So That's probably ha- why I didn't notice them either. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so you uh, give it a flick, and one of the bookshelves sort of clicks mm-hmm. and swings out, and there seems to be a very uh, thin staircase leading up. I'm going up the staircase. Do not bound up it. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I slink up hold, the stairs. Hold the handle carefully. You slink up the staircase into an absolutely beautiful, ornate bedroom. Ooh. There's a uh, tremendously large, very plush bed. Think like it's sort of got the uh, the bed tent over it, like Ebenezer Scrooge had. So oh, yeah. Like, Big hand-carved pillars, you know, like silk, everything. Mm. It's easily one of the fanciest beds you've ever seen. The air is thick with that spice smell. Mm. 
Um, you can see there's a sort of a writing desk with a couple legal tomes on it in one corner. There seems to be a round table with two sort of very plush, comfortable chairs with uh, some eating utensils on it. It looks like a, a finished meal. At the foot of the bed is a large, very ornate chest. And uh, oh, next to baby. it is uh, two nightstands with lanterns on either one and uh, a book. I walk up to the chest. I'm going to step in and just do a quick arc- arcana check gonna, on it. Yeah, and I'm going to do like any kind of non-magical traps check. Yeah. So Queenie, roll me a perception and Alan, roll me an arcana. Please. 15 total. The room doesn't feel magic to you at all. Again, you, you get the sense that uh, this guy doesn't put a whole lot of stake in magical things. Okay. That's a 16. There doesn't seem to be any exterior traps mm. on, on the chest. However, when you're looking through the keyhole, you notice that the lock mechanism does seem to be odd. Mm. And you're not sure whether that's a trap or whether it's just another multi-key thing, but it's, it's unlike anything you've seen. Not even like what the door had. It looks different than the door. It, like if you're looking with the eye of someone who's looked into a, yeah. a bunch of lock mechanisms, yeah, yeah. there's just a couple of oddities on this one. All right. Well, I mean, let's flex that plus one to lockpick bonus I just got. May I suggest? Yeah. Perhaps the only person who would know what's going on is that dead gnome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm Perhaps like, we can pull him out and ask him sure. some questions. Yeah. Open up the bag, <laughs> reach in, find an ankle, pull. <laughs> And he's kind of hanging upside down, and just I roll him, I roll his carcass out onto the floor. His carcass. You people are monsters. Oh uh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you can keep doing this to the same dead person, though. Yeah, well, they within the hour, I think past an hour, they're okay. We just confirm that they're just dead. Because you know, less otherwise, talkative. I just would have like carried this corpse around and just oh, yeah. asked it. <laughs> what do you think? AMA it? it like. <laughs> what do you think the clouds think when they look yeah. at us? Oh God! Please let me die. Not Peter Baelish is the world's worst talk show. It's just like people shoveling corpses up to the stage. He keeps asking questions for an hour, I guess. So who are you wearing? <laughs> Interesting. Who hurt you? <laughs> you did. You shot me. Oh right. Yeah, I had one to fill after another, wasn't it? <laughs> Honestly, it's still a better advice show than Dr. Phil. <laughs> the show scores really well with women between the ages of 35 and 45. Like just the housewife market, the 2 p.m. slot on Wednesdays. Yep. They're as dead as I feel. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's the tagline. <laughs> uh, you can actually talk to a corpse that's been dead for up to 10 days. <laughs> oh, wow. All right, well, so keep them in the bag. <laughs> the only catch is it has to still have a mouth and it can't be undead. There you go. Yeah. Clean shot to the head. He's fine. Mm-hmm. We should put him in a bag that goes in the bag. Oh, just so he doesn't like Start bleed out on the silverware yeah. and stuff. You know. Right now, you have a gnome full of forks in your bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say if you had put the spell book in, just if you would have pulled it out, it would have been soaked through with gnome blood. Oh God. Okay. Okay. How do you clean a bag of holding? You just climb in there, and scrub. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you hire a maid. Put the maid in the bag of holding. <laughs> <laughs> she gets ten minutes of oxygen. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's a living. <laughs> Carry on. Okay. <laughs> so I cast Speak with the Dead over Gnome. As before, you hear sort of that horrible chill wind of air blowing through dead trees. And, Don't you know, worry, like the rich spices will cover the smell. Still smells great. Yes, still, still smells, smells fantastic. Uh, although a little overpowering, like walking into a Hollister. Just like, this Oof, is yeah. this is a lot. Um, <laughs> you know, you got the goosebumps and everything else. And then the, uh, the corpse twitches and get that horrible double vision again as its body seems to like rise up above it. And it's like, oh, oh, again. Oh, yes. <laughs> and maybe many times more. I don't know. You don't know. Fuck. <laughs> what is in this chest? He manages to pull off a tremendous amount of sass for a dead butler. Well, what's he got to lose? Uh, Exactly. He uh, (laughs) rolls his eyes and says, please, you think the judge would tell me I just drop the meals off at his door and be done with it? Do you know anything at all about this room? I've never been in it. He never allows anyone into his private chambers. I I kind of move like I want to ask a question, his family, uh, and then I just kind of step back. I think better of it. I don't want to know. (laughs) <laughs> oh, so you, you, you wanted to ask him about his family. You're like, yeah. I'd be better off not knowing yeah. this. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of just sort of look at him and I'm like, mm. uh, and I look at Quinny and I'm like, hmm. If you don't clean this room, who does? He keeps it clean himself. The judge is very concerned about personal order. All right, well, I kind of blew that one. Sorry. You know what? I respected, I respected the, the question. It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hate the player, hate the game. We've got, uh, well, we've got two more. Put him back in the bag and save him for later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't ask that fifth question now. Mm. You got two more questions, just store him up. For Keep like, him in horrible, horrifying limbo. 
Um, well, I mean, we could. <laughs> uh, I will point out that uh, the spell requires tremendous concentration, so oh, you have to be thinking about the dead gnome constantly to keep him in that bag. Okay, okay, okay. Think of all the goatee um, time you'd I waste. Was say, as an audience member right now, that's all I'm thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, I could ask more, but I'd just be grasping at straws. Do you guys have any... Ideas? Two questions left we have? Mm-hmm. You brought me back for this? <laughs> should we What's ask? What's your deal, man? <laughs> I don't ask that question. <laughs> should, should we ask him about Fiddlesworth? Because we did find a, a, a letter. I did find a oh, letter yes. from Fiddlesworth. It just said, stand ready. Oh, that's a great idea. Oh, I'm trying to think of the best way to ask this, to get the most information. We ask, like, open-ended questions. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I'm about to answer as a DM, so I'll just stop talking now. <laughs> You can, he doesn't have to answer them in any satisfying way. Really, he's like, you don't have like a truth serum on him or anything. He's, he's so far answered your questions largely because he's dead and doesn't really see any reason not to. Okay. So yeah, you can ask open questions if you want. Okay. Um, take it out, like so show it to him. I'll preface this by, I didn't take the letter. I'll, oh, I'll preface oh, this by saying okay. that, um, you know, I, I saw this letter. I, I'm really sorry I did go into your room. I just want to, I, I, <sighs> I'm so sorry. I knew I should have made the bed this morning. <laughs> I did see a letter from, I believe, from Fiddlesworth. Shit, what's Fiddlesworth's a name? Name Stink. You know that stink that, boy. that that elf guy, <laughs> I'm hitting my forehead. <laughs> You're remembering the name? Oh yes, boy. I remember his name. This is bad. <laughs> I really don't. You remember know, his name. for people who have the <laughs> uncanny ability to revive the dead, you sure are bad with details. Yes, no longer shall we, the buttling class, be forced to buttle for people who don't appreciate us and our talents. No more will be we be regulated to side rooms, not as plush or as spice-smelling as others. Soon we shall rise up in the name of Moonhammer and make them fear us. At least that's what I was promised. Okie dokie. All right, thanks, buddy. I am not your buddy. So do you have a family? (laughs) When I was a young gnome, I met the most beautiful woman in my village, and we got married, but the only way I could raise the funds to keep her and our new child alive was to bottle here in Neverwinter. That's the beginning of the novel I was writing about my hypothetical family. I died the way I lived, alone. And then he fades into mist. Well, put him back in the bag. Bag him up. <laughs> this episode of Dum Dums and Dragons features the voices of Ryan LaPlante at the Ryan LaPlante on Twitter, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Laura Hamstra at El Hamstring on Twitter, our special guest, and our DM Tom McGee at McGee TD on Twitter. This episode's sound was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra. And Dum Dums and Dragons artwork is by Del Borovic, who can be found at delborovic.com. Our theme songs are And Now for That Massive Coronary and Skipping Through the Orchestra Pit Part 1 by Peter Gresser. And our ad music is No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R, all available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. But most importantly, we've got merchandise at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice, or you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. And tune in next week for more Dum Dums and Dragons. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Hello! Contact Day is in but a few short months, which means it is time to begin preparations for the Bi-Decennial Festival. This year, we are celebrating every single one of you living in my beloved Windfall City. It is not our business to question the Queen's will. It is not our business to do anything but follow it. It is you and your loyalty that has laid the groundwork for this incredible utopian society that we seek for. Do you have any idea what's going on with us? It is the duty of each and every one of you to do everything you can to make the festival a success this year. Are you ready to speak kindly with me now, child? I have no doubt that this year will be one for the history books. And that will be due in no small part to the dedication of my adoring Windfall, a dystopian science fiction podcast from Rogue Dialogue.